chapter where Jesus is talking about, I am the vine, my father is the husbandman, he looks after the vine, you need to be in the vine, and all that. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, have a read of it yourself, but I want to look at one particular verse that's in chapter 15, verse 4, that says this, remain in me, and I will remain in you. Just that. And that's been speaking to me this week, particularly after um, Epic on Monday, where, where Mark Selleck shared with us in Epic about how important the written Word of God is and how we should get it inside us. And once we get it inside us, we are actually digesting Christ the Lord's words into our life. And I've been thinking about it since then. And I remember these words that Jesus said in John 15. If you remain in me, then I will remain in you. Now, this word remain is the crux of it. It's the, it's the important part of, of what he is saying here. It, it, doesn't mean, it doesn't mean just hanging around. It doesn't mean just frequenting occasionally. It means to dwell, to actually live, to settle down. These are the, the words that it translates as, to actually live in somewhere. You know, my home, your home, it's where you, you dwell. Do you, do you feel settled there? I know some people don't feel settled anyway, but I've been in my home for 25 years or so. And I gotta be honest, I feel settled there. It's 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 you know, when you walk in, you kick your shoes off, you you shout at the kids, kick the dog, you know, you just relaxed, get the kettle on, put the news on, whatever you do in your home. That's where you feel comfortable. You dwell in there, it's your residence. That's what Jesus is talking about. He said, kick your shoes off. Come on, dwell, settle down in me, feel at home, feel comfortable with me, in me, and I will feel comfortable in you. It's that real living, dwelling in Jesus, not just occasional, frequent in Him. And there's some verses in Romans 12, which I want to read, and I've asked Mike not to put this up because we haven't got the message translation, because I want to, I want to read it in the message. It's, um, it's the first couple of verses of Romans 12. 12, and this is what it says. Here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work, your walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for Him. In other words, it's every aspect of of our lives he wants to be part of it's a, a continual sense of dependence on him it's almost you could say being addicted to Christ because when someone is addicted to something they can't do without it it, it is part of their DNA part of their makeup it's part of their their mindset It's part of their life your addictism it has to be there and Christ is very addictive once you get him inside you, you want more. Doesn't the psalmist say, taste and see that the Lord is good? And once you've seen that He is good, you want more. You want more. I can't live without Him. 
I, I, even if I'm on my own, and, and you're like this as well, if you're in Christ, when you're on your own, you find yourself talking to Him. You find yourself thinking about the things of God, maybe something you'd read that morning. And when you find yourself with other people of the same spirit, you find yourself talking about Him with them because He consumes you. And this is what He says when He says, if you remain in me, I will remain in you. We will dwell together. We'll make a home together. So when you are on holiday by the pool or having a barbecue or shopping in Sainsbury's or Asda or Waitrose, Steve, you know, wherever you go, sorry, that's two weeks in a row now, isn't it? Sorry, sorry, mate. Wherever you shop, wherever you do, take your everyday life, your ordinary life, your sleeping life, anything, and just dwell in Him. Let Him consume you. Um, by doing this, it doesn't make you more of a theologian. It doesn't make you uh, have a better knowledge of Scripture. But what it does, it gives you a deeper relationship with Him. Paul had all the knowledge that could possibly have at that time. The Apostle Paul was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, he said. He was, he was brought up with the best teachers. He knew everything. But he said, I will count it all as nothing just to know Him, just to dwell with Him. Philippians 3 and verse 8, this is what he said. If you read through Philippians 3, he gives the lineage of where he's come from and who he is and what he's done. And then he says, I count it all as, as rubbish. He used a stronger word. But he said this in verse 8, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ, Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. You see, it's all about Christ. It's all about him. You know, we say that we enjoy spending time with him. But let me tell you, he enjoys spending time with you. It's like living in Christ is, is almost like living in a Christ bubble. You see everything through him. Wherever you go, you see things through Christ. Whatever you do, you see everything, you feel everything through Christ. Because he lives in us and we live in him. And when Paul was going around preaching, he went to, to Greece. And he went to a, a, a place in Greece, many of you might have been there, a place called Athens. And they had, they love debating new things. The, the Greeks are a bit like that. They love debating things and looking in. They were philosophers and teachers. And they had idols of gods to every possible god that they could think of. And just in case they didn't think of a god, they had a statue to the unknown god, just in case they missed someone out. And Paul, while he was there, seen this idol to the unknown god, and he said to them, let me just explain to you who you're missing. And he, got on, he went on to explain 
Jesus Christ to them. But because he knew that they believed in a deity, he said these words to them in Acts 17 and verse 28. He said, it is because in him we live and we move and we have our very being. So he, he knew that they believed in God, a deity, but he wanted to introduce them to Christ. So yes, everyone lives in him. Everyone moves in him and everyone has their being in him. In other words, what he was saying, you all exist in God, but if you want to dwell, you need to find Christ. If you want real life, you need to find Christ. In this chapter, in uh, John 15, he's talking about the vine and the branches and how the branch had to stay connected to the vine. It's pretty obvious, isn't it? I cut my grass for the first time yesterday. <sighs> I hate gardening. I'm not one of these ones who likes it and thinks it's therapeutic. I, I can't stand it. But I like it when it's done. And I was out there, and there's this one sort of shrub that I planted a few years ago, and it looked dead to me. Well, it was, nothing, it was just brown and no leaves on it, so it was dead. And so I started breaking it, and it just started, it was brittle. It was, it was, it was gone. I kicked it with my foot, and it just came out of the ground. That's my gardening. <laughs> then, that's how I garden. And I looked at it again. It was a bit sticking. So I went, oh, kick it out. It's gone. It's gone. It's in the bin now. It was dead. It was gone. Dry as a board, brittle, no sap in it. But Jesus was saying that if you're not connected to the vine, that's how you become. Dry and brittle. And someone's going to come along and kick you, and you're going to break. And the important thing is, when they were grafting into these vines, they would graft perhaps another part of the vine in. And, and, and they, the important part of this, and I, I don't know this, I had to look this up, but the important part is the touching point. It's where the branch touches the vine. So, if it's a, so they say this is the vine. If, if your touching point is that big, you'll only get that much sap and goodness. If your touching point is that big, you get a lot more sap and a lot more goodness. So they, they would tend to slice. Do you know what I mean now? They would slice it at an angle to, to sort of graft it in to get a big touching point. Those of you who are gardeners will probably understand what I'm on about. I, I can just about see it in my mind what to do. But the important thing is it's not the gardening bit, but it's the touching point. And my question is this. How big is your touching point? How much goodness are you absorbing from being attached to the vine? How much sap are you receiving from being in Him, attached to Him, living in Him? Because the bigger our touching point, the more goodness and the more of Him flows into us. If it's very small, if it's perhaps a bit loose, if it's perhaps just hanging on by a thread, then it's going to get brittle. It's going to get a bit hard and dry, and someone's going to come along one little kick, and you're gone. We need the touching point. And this is why he says, stay in me. Stay attached to me. Because in me, you have life. So how big is your touching point? Paul said in another place in Philippians 1 and verse 21. 
for me to live is Christ. And some, I think a few years ago, pre-fire, I asked a rhetorical question, and I'm going to ask it again. Is Christ part of your life? And it'll make you think now, because I'm, you know I'm, I'm asking it in a bit of a rhetorical way. I don't want people shouting out. Because it's a bit of a trick question, really. Because most people go, yes, he is. Oh, yes. Christ is part of my life, absolutely. But that's not what the apostle is saying. Christ wasn't part of his life. Christ was his life. And so our answer to that should be, no, he's not part of my life. He is my life. He is everything. Because I dwell in him and he dwells in me. I remain, I live, I move, I have my being, I am consumed by him. So in answer to that rhetorical question, no, he's not part of my life. He is my life. John 15, verse 6, Jesus goes on to say, If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. Just like that bit of shrubbery yesterday that I planted many years ago that has been great every year, but every year it's getting worse and worse, just dying away, not taking in the goodness. Something happened there not nourished. I want to be touching in that big area. I want that, that sap running through my veins. This, John 15, when Jesus says, remain in me, it's not a suggestion. He doesn't suggest it. He didn't go, look, it'd be a good idea if you remained in me. It's more of a finger pointing, remain in me. You make sure you stay in me. It's more of a command, isn't it? I am telling you, if you want life in all its fullness, if you want this goodness of, of, of me running through you, I command in you now, stay in me. Why did he have to do that? Because, you know, our default setting is not to remain in him because our default setting is sin. That's our old nature, and our old nature is very strong. And you don't have to be told to do something that's your default setting. A lot of these lovely ladies today have had chocolates, haven't you? Probably. Mothers have had chocolates and nice things to eat. They don't have to be told, go and eat that chocolate. It'll just happen. Same as me. I got some Maltesers in the fridge. When I go home, I'm going to eat them. No one's got to order me to eat them. I'll just eat them anyway. But when it's not the natural thing to do, you've got to be told to do it. It's like any sport. If you're, if you're learning a sport, if it doesn't come natural to you, you've got to, you've got to practice and practice and practice to become better so that it all must become second nature to you. And this is what Jesus is saying. He's telling you to remain. He says, remain in me. Stay in me. And if you go through the Scriptures... Everywhere, the apostles are all saying that we have to be in Him. We have to allow Him to live in us. And we have to concentrate and take captive our thoughts and, and all these teachings. It's because our, our default setting is sin. But with Him in us, our default setting then can change to Him. And we're talking again about that spiritual relationship. 
Let that become the default. Let that become the, the, the daddy in our lives. Not our, our, our soul and our mind, but our spirits. In this chapter, there are seven verses that say, remain in me. Seven times he said it, remain, remain. We must stay connected. We have to learn this. Sometimes we don't like it by handing over control. And we've talked about this so many times on a Sunday. Handing over, becoming vulnerable. I talked about it a couple of weeks ago. We don't like that. We don't like handing over control. We, we get a little bit panicky when we're out of control. Um, I'm trying to think of an example of, of when I, I lost control totally. Um, I like to be a person who's in control. I, you may be the same. And when I'm out of control and when I can't control a situation, I don't like it. It's not good. And the only th thing I could think of was um, Grace, who happens to be with us today. There she is, my daughter, 22 this week. Can't believe it. When she was about three, two and three, little pause just to get you on the edge of your seat. She was, she was quite ill. She used to have these terrible febrile convulsions. She used to go into a convulsion, a fit, and it was quite frightening, and she had many of them. Um, she'd, they pinned it down in the end to her tonsils. Her tonsils were, were too big for her, her, her throat. They were massive. No, they weren't. They were just... She's going... But if she had tonsillitis, the uh, temperature would go so high that it, her little body would just shut down. And a few of us here witnessed it. It wasn't very good. It usually happened when I was away or in work, and, and, and John had to deal with it because he used to live across the road. <laughs> but I, I seen one or two of them. And in the end, they said, look, we're going to take her tonsils out. She was three. We're going to take her tonsils, and I'm not sure if they took her adenoids out. Was it adenoids? Adenoids as well? Just anything else? No. So they took her tonsils and adenoids out when she was three. And I remember dressing up in all this blue stuff, hat on, walking into the surgery, carrying this three-year-old little girl, and then I didn't have to hand her over to the, the surgeon. What they did, they injected a little tiny fat arm. <laughs> Chubby she was. <laughs> they just injected her with this drug that just sent her off to sleep. And in my arm, I remember it to this day. She was looking at me. They put the injection into her, and she just went. Then I handed her over. Imagine that. Totally out of control now. I didn't know what to do. I'm the dad. I should be protecting her. I should be able to fix things. I couldn't. And if you've ever had a child that's sick, you don't like it. It's, it's out of your hands. And I just had to hand her over. Just started to pray. I'd lost all control. We don't like it when we're not in control. We like to be in control. But the Lord is saying here, I want to walk with you. I want to live in you. I want you to hand your life over to me. And it's like taking that little three-year-old and going, here it is. I don't know what's going to happen, but, but here it is. Here's my life. Here's, here's everything. I, I, I feel vulnerable right now. I feel 
it's a bit of a risk, but I, I'm going to give it to you. And he says, it's in safe hands. I've got you. Because I'm in you, and you're in me. We're not separate. We're together. Hand over totally to him. Because when you are in him, you have his protection. When you're in him, you have his compassion. When you're in him, you have his passion. When you're in him, you have his power. When you're in him, you have mercy and grace. All the good attributes that are in him will be in you. Remain in me, I will remain in you, he says. So what does he, I want to go on to explain a bit more about what this actually means. I think it encompasses the two great commandments. Love God, love others. Because in Him, when we are in Him, we are consumed by Him, we are consumed by God. In every day of our life, we, we love the Lord with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul. That's when He's in us. And when He is in us, we adopt His mission and His purpose. And His mission and His purpose is to see others come into the kingdom of God. To reach others, to love others. So when we are in Him and He's in us, it, it, it encompasses, and what Arthur has just said, that royal law, the, the two greatest commandments, to love God and to love others. When He is in us and we are in Him. No wonder Paul said again to the church in, in Philippi, he said, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. So even the way we think can change when He's in us. Like I said, we're in that bubble and we look through that Christ bubble. We see others. I heard someone say this once and I thought it made me sit up. And take, I thought, oh, what's this preacher saying? But it's true. He said, when Jesus walked this earth, he did not spend time with any homeless people. He didn't spend time with any thieves. He didn't spend time with prostitutes. He didn't spend time with rich people. He didn't spend time with poor people. He didn't spend time with any religious leaders. He just spent time with people. He didn't put labels on them like we do. He saw lost souls. He saw their potential. He wasn't saying, you're this, you're that, you're this, like we do. He just saw people who he loved and had compassion on. Wow, wouldn't that be awesome if we lived in that Christ bubble and we saw people like that? No labels, just people, lost souls going to quote Paul again from Galatians 2 and verse 20. He said, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So Paul said again, he says, it's not me that's living, it's Christ that's living in me. How, how many of us can actually say that? It's not us, but it's him. He lives in me, every part of us. We have life within us. Because Jesus Christ is life. He is in us, and he is bursting to get out, just like life is bursting to get out in a, a woman who is carrying a baby. And the, it's appropriate that it's, we're talking about mother, mother in Sunday, Mother's Day today. That mother-to-be 
who's got life inside them, they never forget they're pregnant. There's a reminder there constantly. Always aware that there is life inside them. It's obvious. It's obvious to other people around that there is life there. Bursting, waiting to come out. And that's what it should be like for us as Christians. This life should be evident in us. Other people around should be able to see, wow, you've got life inside you. Why is that? Well, because Christ is in me. Christ lives in me and I live in him. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. There's a difference. It's evidence of a close, intimate communion, what we talked about earlier. There was a time in the book of Acts when the rulers and the religious leaders and the priests, all these educated men who love to debate the law and the scriptures and, and anything else that was happening. And Peter and John started speaking, and they stood back. And in Acts 4, and verse 8, it says that Peter and John were filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, they had Christ, God, His Spirit living in them. And then in verse 13, it says that these rulers and priests and religious people the educated, the theologians of the day, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, they were ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. You see, these men were fishermen, supposedly uneducated. But yet when they've been with Jesus and they allowed Jesus to be in them and them in him, all of a sudden they were able to speak through the Holy Spirit. And even though I said earlier that it doesn't make you a theologian, when the Holy Spirit is speaking through you, you will speak secrets that even learned people won't know. Because the truth is there. When people see your passion and your, your boldness, not your boldness, your boldness, when you're strong and you're powerful, and you speak in the truth, they will see something in you. Christ in you. Life in you. You see, when we get these things right in our lives, we've had so much teaching, so much instruction on how to get this right and to get Christ right in our life. We'll become in right in the center of His will. If you got, living in Christ is, is not a prison. A lot of people think that it's, you have to go through hardship when you're living in Christ, when you want to be right in the center of His will. And, and I, I've talked to some people over the years, and it's, oh, I, I, I'm going through some hard times because I'm getting closer to God. He wants to teach me humility, so I'm going through a hard time. I tell you what, if God wanted to teach you humility, wow. I never, never be careful never to pray that. Lord, humble me. He humbled Nebuchadnezzar once. He was in a field eating like a, an animal. The Bible always says, humble yourself. Humble yourself. 
Oh, yeah, I, I'm struggling because I'm living by faith. Oh, yeah, they, he's living by faith, so he is, he's very humble and he hasn't got much and he goes through a difficult time. God's not a prison. He's not, not going to make you suffer. Matthew 7, verse 9, verse 11. If a child asks his father for a loaf of bread, will he be given a stone instead? If he asks for a fish, will he be given a poisonous snake? Of course not. And if you hard-hearted, sinful men know how to give good gifts to your children, won't your Father in heaven even more certainly give good gifts to those who ask of Him? He's a good God. We've been singing about it. He's a good Father. He's a good God. He's not a prison officer, nasty people as they are. He wants to look after you. Your loving parents wouldn't give you bad gifts, and neither does he want to give you bad gifts or keep you down in hardship. When we're in him, we're his. Wherever you go, you are his. Whether you're here in beautiful, sunny Newport or up in London somewhere, doing a YWAM course, you're in him. If you're abroad, you're in him. Why? Because you don't have to go to him. He's already in you. And you can be content. I love this verse. Coming to an end now. I love this verse in Genesis 13. Verse 9. Abraham and Lot part in company. And they were going to split up this land between them. And this is what Abraham said. He said to Lot, Is not the whole land before you? He said, Let's part company. And he said to Lot, if you go to the left, I'll go to the right. And if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. He didn't care. Why? Because he was content in who he was in God. He says, I know God will bless me if I go this way. And I know God will bless me if I go that way. So wherever you are, you're in him. And he is in you. So be content, as Paul said. Wherever you are, Whatever circumstances, what are the benefits? Just finally, last few thoughts. The benefits of being in Christ. I got this, this bank account. It's a great bank account. HSBC, when there's some money in it, it's great. But it doesn't matter if I got money in there or not because I got benefits with it. I got travel insurance. Don't have to bother with travel insurance. I got breakdown cover which I never use, but it's there. I got other leisure benefits with it. All comes free. Well, not free. You have to pay for it, I think, somehow. But it's all benefits. Um, if you take out certain insurances, they give you benefits, don't they? Lots of benefits with being a loyal customer. When you're loyal to Christ, when you're in Him, and you're consumed by Him, and you live him, there are so many better benefits. The first thing is you have instant access to God. I love that one. Just like the bank, instant access to your money if you want. Well, I tell you what, I got instant access to God. He's there just when I need him. You know, people who are not in Christ don't get that, you know, because this is a spiritual connection, and only Christ can bring your spirit alive. And only Christ has this connection 
spiritually with, with the Father. So if you're not in Christ, you haven't got that spiritual connection. You haven't got that instant access to God. You will be given power through the Holy Spirit. You will be given a peace and a joy that passes all understanding that no one else can understand, a joy that people can't explain inside you, a hope that is an anchor that no one else can understand. It's inside you. How? Because you're in Christ. It's the benefits of being in Him. Remember last week I talked about the promises of God. You've got the benefits of the promises of God in your life. You've got a hope and security for eternity. Just a little benefit there. Just the whole of eternity. John 14, again. John says in verses 19 and 20 of John 14, Jesus speaking, Because I live, you will also live. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. There's this dovetailing of our spirits inside us, in these, these frail shells of our body. So Jesus says that when we're in, living, we are in Him, in your work, in your college, in your school, in your leisure time, in your home, in the hard times, in the difficult times, in the good times, in your thoughts, in your desires, in the day, in the night, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whether you go to the right or whether you go to the left, you can be in Him. This is what He meant when He said, abide in me, remain in me. Dwell in me, and I will do the same with you. You are in Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I just want to thank you that you can live in us and consume us. Lord, I feel right now that I need to pray for this touching point because there are so many of us who whose touching point is perhaps getting a bit frail that that goodness is not flowing as it should and some of that dryness is is creeping in and so lord i just pray this morning this afternoon that you will increase our touching point. But Lord, it's also a conscious effort on our behalf to increase that touching point with you. Lord, those of us who perhaps feel that we, we are right there, we, we've, we've, we are in there, we've got it, that touching point. But Lord, there's always more. And it's a lie of the enemy when he says, you've got it, that's it, there is no more. The old Apostle Paul, all he said was, I want to know you more. And Lord, let that be our prayer. I want to know you more. Consume us, Lord. Let us see through that Christ bubble that we want to live in. See others, no labels. That spirit-to-spirit -spirit connection. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.